0: you're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, So glad to be here. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Psalms as we stand and read the scripture. Just two verses I like to read from 126. Psalms 126 verses 5 and 6. Psalms 126 verses 5 and 6. Here the word of God says that he that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth, weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing bringing his sheaves with him. Amen. Father, we come before you tonight. Thank you so much for the safety you have given us to be in thy presence. And also, Father, I'm so thankful that you give us the freedom, the liberty to come together in public to, uh, to worship you, to, to be in your presence. Father, I give this message into thy hand as we have heard through the song today that when people gave what they had in your hands and you blessed it so much and it, it, people could not even fathom what you could do with it. And I'm just humbly requesting you to take this message and bless it and give it back to us today, tonight. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. amen. You may be seated. You know, I heard an old story about uh, a, a Justice uh, Wendell Holmes. One day after his retirement, he was traveling to different places in America uh, to do seminars. He was traveling throughout. He was usually to take Pennsylvania Railroad to travel travel to different places. One day he was in the train as the conductor or the ticket examiner came and he was asking for a ticket, uh, Mr. Holmes watched it and he was looking for his ticket. And immediately, this young man recognized who he was. He came to him and uh, he said, uh, Justice Holmes, don't worry about your ticket. If you can find it, you can send it to us when, when you find it. And he said, well, he, he kept going and doing all the other uh, tickets and examining it. But Mr. Holmes was still standing and looking for his ticket. And so he looked for and he came back and said, Mr. Holmes, don't worry about it. You just sit down, relax, enjoy the ride. And he said, young man, I need to find the ticket. Unless I find the ticket, I don't know where I am going. (laughs) You know, when I I read that, I realized so many people around us are just like that. They don't know where they are going. They are so busy with all these things in this world. They don't even care the repercussion without Jesus in their life. And they don't even think about it. So that that group of people we can see in one place. Then our attitude as born-again Christians, as churchgoers, and the people who know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, our attitude is just like the attitude of the disciples in John chapter 4 when Jesus was talking to them and said, harvest is great, it's white for harvest. Their, Their attitude is, we have four more months for the harvest. And so we are so reluctant in our life. We are so, in a way, compl- you know, compl- complacent in our life. So we don't care about anything else around us, or we don't care about the people around us. You know, you know, when you look at this passage, you know, with that in mind, you need to look at the passage here. The word of God is very clear: is the heart. It is giving the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ or God. What God wants us to see and do in our life. Three things we can learn from this passage of scripture. Just just these two, two scriptures we read. Three things. Real quickly, i like to give it to you. I'm a point-by-point point person. Usually in India, each one of my points are an hour long. Don't worry, I'm not going to do it tonight. But, uh, you know, some of you are already looking at your watch. Please don't leave yet. And, but here, just wanted to, uh, to you know, give you these this three plain points about the, the tears and the harvest God is talking about. And, you know, the word of the first thing we can read is the plan, which we can see. A small phrase there you can see in verse 6 is that he that goeth forth. That is the plan of God. What is the plan of God? Simply, the plan of God is his people will actively engage in sharing the gospel to lost and dying people. That is the plan of God. You know, we all say, Amen, just wait a minute. The plan of God has three points. Each one of the points have three points. You just, just imagine that. You know, the plan of God has three points. One, it is the personal plan. Because it says he. He is the personal pronoun. You know, that means the Bible demands every saved person should take up the task of telling other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, you know, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 said, But ye shall receive the power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. He shall be witnesses unto me. Both in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. uttermost part of the world. He is actually talking to a group of people in that century right there. They were, you know, they were in Jerusalem. And he was talking to the people. He said, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria. But you have to take the same scripture. You need to apply to the current situation our Jerusalem is in this two Falls our, our, our Judea is the state of South Dakota our Samaria is the United States of America then you need to do the uttermost part of the world and being all of us need to do that and you say how can we do it in India or in Africa we can do it that is why we have missionaries going out and preaching the gospel if you win one person a day, two of you win two people the next day, and four of you win four people the next day, eight of you win you know, eight people the next day, in 70 years, we can evangelize the whole world. There are more than 7 billion people in this world. I am almost 50 years old. And let me tell you this in other words, I should see at least about 80 pre- or about 50% or 80% of the world should be evangelized by now. Yes, but it should start with that one person. Yes. Yes, one person. You know, it is the personal plan. Can I say this? The task is so great for the Lord to fall on the shoulders of few people. Yes, sir. All, right. All of us should take up that task. Amen. To tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. It is a personal plan. Secondly, it's a present plan. Goeth forth is the present tense. It is not talking about how my dad did years ago or how will my son do years after this. It is talking about right now what we should do in our life. You know, I believe that God, can you tell me one moment in this world, the gospel need not to be preached. One moment. I believe the gospel need to be preached 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He said, how can that happen? 24 hours a day, seven days a week, the gospel can be preached. 24 hours. When we are preaching the gospel here, people in India are sleeping. When they are preaching the gospel in India, we are sleeping. Still, 24 hours a day, the gospel is being preached the whole over the world. Amen. Preaching doesn't mean, you know, by the way, you, by now you know I don't need a mic. Some of, I know the comment is coming, you know, it's afterwards. I'm just giving you, you know, I'm just going to tell you. By the way, in India, a lot of times you have to preach without without a mic. So you have to be loud. I'm used to it. And um, preaching doesn't mean you have to yell and shout. Preaching can be one word. Where will you spend your eternity if you die today? That can be the message. Preaching can be just handing out one tract. Inviting somebody to church. Did you know that each tract you hand out is a missionary? It can win us all. You're right. A few years back, this is fresh water, right? Yes. It's not the one for, left from yesterday. <laughs> because I don't trust him In <laughs> <And> somehow. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> just giving, I just wanted to give him a hard time, you know, I just. <laughs> Because he kissed me on my head, you know, I just had to do something. Yeah. <laughs> we, we give him passes, so it's okay. <laughs> Few years back, early morning, about six o'clock in the morning, I shouldn't say early morning, six o'clock in the morning. I don't know about you, sometimes six o'clock in the morning is too early for me. Especially somebody ring your bell. Your house. Well, in India, <clears throat> we have British, uh, British influence, so we drink a lot of tea instead of coffee. We, I like coffee, too. So I had a cup of tea in my hand, and I walked out, and uh, there was stands a stranger standing there. And I said, may I help you? And he said, thank you. <laughs> Either he didn't understand what I said, or I didn't understand what he said. Yeah, and I, I just stood there and said, what did I do to thank me? You know, I just woke up. And so he said, uh, can I share my testimony? And I invited him. He sat the front porch and we were talking. And he said, I, he was born and brought up in a Hindu family. And he was small. His father passed away. His mother took him to the next state. And he, she worked so hard to send him, school, send him to school. He, got, he obtained a good degree and had a job and making so much money. He had a good house. And he never got married. He took care of his mother. and They lived together in the same house. But a few, few weeks ago, his mother passed away. For the first time in his life, he said, he felt alone nobody loved him and he didn't know what to do he wasn't happy he didn't have peace and he said I, I decided to commit suicide the, the money I had did not give me uh, did not give me peace the house I did uh, had did not give me any happiness I felt alone in this world he said he decided to commit suicide and he said two days ago early morning he walked out of his apartment to take his own life. As he came out, he looked down. There was a piece of paper on the floor. On the front of the paper, there was a picture of a person carrying a cross. And he said, he took it, picked it up. And he started to read it in that dim light. And he said, he looked at me and said, sir, That's the first time I realized a person called Jesus came into this world and died on a cross for my sins. And he loved me with everlasting love. And he said, and I stood there, I opened my heart and said, Jesus, I am a sinner and you are my savior. Would you come into my heart? And he said, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. And on the back of that tract was an address. It said Independent Baptist Ministries of India. And he said, Last night I took a bus all night to come here just to tell you thank you for printing a tract. Thank you for handing out a tract that saved my life. What can a tract do? That can save somebody's life. It may be physical. But definitely, spiritual life. Definitely, it is present. So many times we don't have time. We make decisions in our life after after the football season. I will do it after the baseball season. I will do it. You know, after each season, there is something coming. I know parents will say after, right after my kids get married and move out, I will definitely will be involved in so much things in church and go out and do. By by the way, parents, if you have that kind of mentality and waiting for your kids to be married and uh, married off, and then guess what? Something else is coming. Their grandkids are coming back for you to babysit. So you will not get any time. Don't wait for that. Right now is the time. It is present. You know, we need to do the plan of God personally, and we need to do it right now. It's present. And thirdly, it is precious plan. The preciousness is, you know what it is? It is that that's the only gospel that can change a person's life. That is only one plan. There is only one way that people can be saved. That is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so many times we take it for granted because we heard it so many times in our life or every day we have different means we can hear it. But I know I have seen people who used to worship 333 million gods and goddesses. They will get saved and they find a true savior. They come to church and kneel before God. They put their forehead on the floor and thanking God for their salvation because it is precious. They were they were under darkness. Now they have the marvelous light in their life. That is so precious. That is the plan of God. That is the plan of God. Secondly, not only plan, secondly, the passion. He's talking about weeping. You know, weeping and tears, talking about the pain and toil the burden of the a job needs to be done so many times we are so calloused in our life our heart is so calloused we don't even it's not broken anymore it is not broken anymore we think we are so tough in our life jesus When he saw he was in the house of Mary and Martha. When he realized Lazarus is gone. He knew what is going to happen in a few minutes. But yet the Bible says that he wept. When he saw the city of Jerusalem, the condition they are in. They're making their way to eternal damnation. The heart of my Lord Jesus Christ broke. When he saw the multitude around him. They were like sheep not having a shepherd. My Jesus, the Bible says he was moved with compassion in his heart. And when he was in Garden of Gethsemane and on his knees and he know what is going to happen and he wept for the whole world and the condition they were in. If my Lord Jesus Christ can cry, weep. Jeremiah, when he thought about his own people, the Bible says his tears were like fountains from his eyes and if he can cry and the great apostle Paul, every time the Bible says the scriptures I can give you all the scriptures one by one Paul said I was on my knees and, and weeping and crying for you each and every day if Jesus can cry, if Jeremiah can weep and if Paul can t- shed tears in his life, we should also get on our knees and cry for a soul needs to be saved right now all of us here all of us here can think of at least one person who needs to be saved all of us when was the last time we prayed for them we Sometimes we pray for one day a week. Then we will add them to the prayer list in the church. It is good. We should do that. But I believe if God particularly puts somebody in your heart until your death or their salvation, you need to pray for them. It's good. It's good. I was... I'm a storyteller. Please bear with me. When I was in Bible college, I attended a church in Springfield. I had a Sunday school teacher called Ken McMillan from Texas. His disposition is unique you know you can hear him from a mile away usually. Every service I watched is three little kids. He has three boys on their knees praying at the altar, every service. I'm, I'm, I was, after a few meetings, I was confused. I actually am a person, I like to ask questions. So I, so I went directly to Ken and said, Brother Ken, what did they do? They, why do they rededicate their life every service? That was just a plain simple question. And he said, Sam, what do you mean? Said every service, they are on their knees. I said, Sam, my dad is a hardcore cowboy in Texas. So many times I tried to witness to him. He never listens to me. My kids, every opportunity they get, they're praying for their grandfather's salvation. They, it went on and on for th- four years. About two, three weeks before my graduation, Sunday morning, I parked my car and walked into the church. I can hear Brother Ken from two miles away now. <laughs> and I walked up to him and said, Brother Ken, what is wrong? I said, hey, Brother Sam, I'm not going to tell you, but just wait a minute. In a few minutes, I saw the door open to our Sunday school room and this uh, Miss Valerie, his wife, walked in. And th- these three little boys walked in. And, 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 and behind him, there was a, a cowboy with a cowboy hat and a buckle belt and, and boots and, and blue jeans and weather-beaten man. He's a hard-looking cowboy. And, and he walked in slowly. And Brother Ken said, Sam, that's my dad. Last night. The acts of Jesus Christ as his personal savior. Amen. Three little boys shed tears for their grandfather for years and years. Finally, God looked down, touched the heart of that hardcore cowboy so he will listen to the gospel. When God puts people in our heart, he entrusts each one of us to pray for them, for their salvation. Amen. Yeah. When God gives us missionaries and asks you to pray, you better do it. They are battling Satan so hard to win one soul, So, one soul. I have seen people with 101 arrows on their body. Pierced to all over. In the morning, they are in a trance going to temple. Afternoon, they take all this out, even through their tongues and take this out. You don't even see one drop of blood coming from their body. You said, how can that happen? Because of... Satanic oppression. You have to fight the Satan to win one soul. When God puts somebody in your heart, you need to be on your knees with passion to pray for them. Pray for them. The plan of God needs to be done with passion. Passion. Broken heartness. Heart should be broken. The callousness should be moved. Let God work in our life. We need to be in the presence of God saying, God, please give me a renewed heart. I'm not talking about just salvation. I'm talking about all the things that is in our mind and our heart that is actually uh, uh, is preventing us to to feel that that presence of God in our life, and that for God to work in our life, we need to remove it, and so God can surely and use us and give us that passion, so we can pray for the people who need to be saved. plan of God with passion then he gives us the promise before I go to the promise I just wanted to real quickly tell you this a lot of times it's very hard to do the plan of God with passion so many times yeah. my dad was born and brought up in a Christian family and though he was born and brought up in a Christian family he was not saved until the age of 18. A missionary from New Zealand came to India and he was preaching in the high school where my dad was studying. That night, he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal savior. Next day of his salvation, he went back to school and started to witness to his friends. They made fun of him. For a little bit, he quit witnessing, but then he continued his witness. He started a prayer meeting on high school campus under a mango tree with few of his friends. When he graduated from high school, there were more than two hundred students gathered together on high school campus during the lunch break to pray. My dad wanted to be in full-time ministry, and he went to my grandfather and said, "Grandpa, I said Dad, I like to be in uh, in full-time ministry." My grandparents were Christians. They said, you have to go find a job to earn some money because we, are, we were very poor family. Didn't have any money. You know, I usually say this. We were so poor, we could not even afford to spell poor with two O's. We are poor. <laughs> I, you know. And so... My dad said, I may be able to make lots of money in this world, but when I die, I cannot take a penny with me. But if I win one soul, which is precious than the whole world. And my grandparents, said, uh, my grandparents told my parents, if you wanted to be in the ministry, that's fine. But when you have hardship, don't come back to us. We will not help you. Many times serving the Lord in India, my parents had to go through Starvation. They did not even have a handful of rice to give it to the children. They never went back to anyone asking for anything because they knew the one who had called them is faithful to provide. And God opened the door for my parents to come to the States. He went to Baptist Bible College. He was working on campus making $90 per month. They had to uh, pay $60 rent each month. rest of the $30, four people had to live in America. Right after his graduation, he lost his job. He didn't have the money to buy the plane ticket to go back to India. You know, it's very hard to walk about 8,000 miles, especially on ocean. You have to have the plane ticket. So he went back to, he went to California. The church actually is it's Mrs. Jett's church actually now. And it, that church, he stayed there for a year and worked hard and, and made enough money to buy four plane tickets. In 1968, they went back to India, started the first independent Baptist church in our state with three families in a rented house. When my dad passed away, there were 80 independent Baptist churches were established in two states. And thousands of people heard the true gospel through our ministry because he did the plan of God with passion in his life. And I was saved at the age of eight in a vacation Bible school. As I mentioned before, I wanted to be a doctor. Oh yeah, we know Three people, usually Indians, either doctors, computer programmers, or call center. But anyway, I'm just not. But anyway, I wanted to be a doctor. I didn't want it to be in call center. But anyway, but if he, if he, by the way, I'm here. If you he want any technical support, I'll be happy to do it. Um, so I wanted to be a doctor. God called me into the ministry. I came to Bible college, I was only 16 years old. When I came to Bible college, I didn't have a dress shirt to wear to class. I was actually visiting churches with my dad prior prior to the classes started. I was in Florida in one of the churches. My dad asked me, that was the last church before I went to Bible college. And my dad said, why don't you give your testimony tonight? I didn't have much to say. I said, I got saved and I'm going to Bible college. Basically, that's what I did. Afterwards, a businessman in the church came to me. He said, hey, Sam, you're going to Bible college. i really like to give you a shirt. Would you like to have it? And I said, of course I would like to have it. He said, the reason I asked you because I used it one time. I said, don't worry about it. He gave me that shirt and he... As we were conversing, he said uh, he paid $40 for that shirt in 1987. And I thought I was in heaven wearing a $40 shirt. <laughs> I kept that shirt for four years, by the way. Went to Bible college throughout the year, different ways, tried to pay the tuition, didn't have any scholarship. Finally reached the end, was getting my graduation was so excited because my mom, my mom and dad, they were coming for my graduation. I haven't seen my mom for four years. I'm the youngest, you must realize that. And so, was excited my mom is coming. Excitement subsided. As I received a memo from the administration, you need to come into the office. I knew it wasn't academics because I had 3.8 grade point average, so I was fine in that matter. I'm not that smart, but still I had that, much, you know, my grade point. And they said, we cannot give you graduation because he accumulated so much amount of money in tuition. Unless you pay it, we cannot give you graduation. I didn't know what to do. I went to our sending pastor, and he, everybody knew my dad, who was kind of famous among the pastors in, in Bible college. He came and talked to the administration. They said, we can do one thing. I can let him walk through the line. I said, fine. Finally, I walked through the line, and, you know, I, never, I have seen American graduation, never been in one. That was my first American graduation. They give you a folder. Received it, tassel was fine. Excited, I thought I got my certificate without paying any money. Came back to the chair, opened this up to see my certificate. There was nothing but the picture of Bible College inside. (laughs) And I leaned over to my friend. I said, "Hey, what happened?" You see, you see those tables in the back. I said, "Yeah." You go there afterwards. They check your finances. If you owe money to college, they will not give you the certificate until you pay it off. And I said, there goes my certificate. <laughs> well, everybody else want to get their certificate. I didn't want anybody else to find out. I owed money to college, so I followed them. I went to the table which said, you know, T to Z because Thomas Handed my ID card to the lady there. By the way, you have to understand, I'm talking about be- before computers. They didn't have a laptop to check everything, you know, had printed uh, sheets in front of them. And so she checked my name, leaned over to the box, pulled something out, gave it to me, and I said, What is this? And she said, Your certificate. And I said, Really? <laughs> she said, Why? And I said, uh, I thought I owe money to college. Now she is confused. She checked it one more time. And she said, no, Sam, you don't owe a penny to college. Somebody paid my tuition. In 2020, in October, as I am talking to you, I still don't know who paid my tuition. But I do know who paid my tuition. Yeah, that's right. The God who said, you do my plan with passion. I am still in charge. I am still on the throne. I will take care of you. The same God who worked in the life of my parents. The same God who works, he is working in our life. He's the same God I'm preaching to you tonight. He is the one who is saying, who is willing to do my plan with passion because I will take care of you. I am in charge. Only thing we have to do is to say yes. Can I say one more thing? When he said that, he gives us two promises. I don't have time to explain it. Two promises from that. One is the promise of success. He said, doubtless. You know, God never told us every time you hand out a tract or preach the gospel, people will get saved. God never promised us that. He only asking us, do my plan with passion. That is the satisfaction. Doubtless, there is a result. Doubtless. Secondly, the promise of satisfaction. Rejoice. Rejoice. I have seen so many people in the field as I was driving here. Everybody is harvesting. How many times they were away from their family. They had to sacrifice their family's time. Sacrifice their personal time. St- sacrifice all the, the time they, can, they could have enjoyed themselves. Whether it's rain or shine, they have to go out. They have to be in the field. They have to take care of their crops. They have to sow the, tea, uh, the seeds They had to water it. They had to do all these things. For what reason? At the end of the year, they will stand back in that that granary and look at all those harvests and they will stand back and say, because of this, because of this, because of this, I sacrifice everything. And beloved, that is exactly what's going to happen. One of these days, and when we stand before our living God, people from east and west and north and south will assemble before God and some of them will look at you and they be tears in their eyes because they will be saying that because of your prayers, because of your sacrifice of your money, your talent, because of your life, I am here today. Amen. Amen. Right. Then you'll sit back, look at them, and said, Wow, never realize that person got saved. Never realize. I prayed for her, prayed for him. I never realized they got saved. I handed out a tract to that particular person. Oh, that's my neighbor. I never knew she got saved. And and all this, how did this happen? Is it because of me? There will be tears. I know up in heaven, you're not supposed to cry, but I know there will be some tears in heaven. Tears of joy. Rejoicing. Rejoicing. Wow. That will be one of the greatest days. That is the promise of God. That is the promise of God. What should we do? Plan of God. With passion, do it. Mm -hmm. God says, I will give you satisfaction and success. Tonight, who is willing to say, I like to do it. Mm -hmm. I like to hand out a track. I like to pray for that one particular person. I like to pray for my missionaries. I like to sacrifice something that I'm holding so dear to my life. I like to sacrifice it. It may be your money, it may be your talent, it may be yourself. Who is willing to say, God, please use me? I'd like to do your plan. Give me a broken heart for souls. Help me to sow the seeds with tears. God, please help me. Who is willing to say it? Can I conclude with one actual illustration? 2016, in Palmer, Texas, I walked into a church, New Church, A man came and hit me on my shoulder and said, Hey, Brother Thomas, my name is Wayman James. I've been to India years ago. Don't ask me why. I cannot tell you. He said he was in a state called Assam. Assam state was divided into two because of Brahmaputra River, North Bank and South Bank. He said, I stayed in a, a small village in the mouth of that river where they originated. The Hindus, they do worship Ganges and Brahmaputra, their goddess. He said one late night in a small shack he was staying in. The whole village people went out for about two to three hours. Then they came back. And I asked my host, he, this is his story, he said, he said, I asked my host, where did you all go? The person I stayed with, he said, we went and sacrificed a nine-year-old boy to the river Brahmavutra, our goddess. And he said, why did you do that? And Mr. Wayman James, he he stabbed me a couple more times and said, Sam, you know what the answer they gave me? Every year, that river floods, destroys or kills so many people. And they sacrifice a nine-year-old boy so that they will not perish. And also, they will have a good crop Harvest in the next season. When I heard that story, that incident, what caught my attention was a group of people who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal savior, willing to sacrifice what is so precious to them so that people will not perish and they will have a good harvest worshiping the wrong God. but we have a true God yes. what would we do so that people will not perish yeah. then we can have a good harvest yeah. what would we do how much sacrifice can we make hmm. we need to answer it yes, sir. we need to God is still looking for somebody who is willing to say, I will go. I like to sow some seeds with tears in my life. Mm -hmm. I like to reap some souls. I like to pray for somebody. Please, God, give me someone in my heart. God, please use me tonight. God, I would like to sacrifice something for you. So that people will not perish, we can have a good harvest. All the heads bowed, all the eyes closed. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.